Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. One of the things that uh, we're, we'll call it blessed with sometimes is legacy code and projects. Oh, and we, yeah. kind of, we kind of talked about this before, like, you know, what are some of the steps you, you get started with mm -hmm. uh, when taking over a legacy uh, project? Question I had for you, Joel, is, you know, I'm a huge fan of bug reporting, but how do you get started with bug reporting when you take over a, a legacy project <laughs> and everything just kind of appears to be broken, but mysteriously working? <laughs> ah, boy, I have a particular project in mind, but no, no names will be named. Um, <laughs> yeah, because let's just focus on the PHP error reporting and not even get into the JavaScript yet. Right. Um, but yeah, you, we, we like to use bug snag. And so you wire that up and it's wired up in sort of a global way where it any unhandled exceptions get reported up to Bugsnag. And wow, um, yeah, the first time you turn it on and it's in production or even you're like running it and staging or something, just clicking around and you're seeing uh, hundreds of errors pop through and just like mm -hmm. normal requests. And it's it's completely overwhelming. So, yeah, like how, how do we get started? Well, first you install it, but then then it's sort of like divide and conquer. And figure out what's noise and what's actually something that requires attention. Well, when you say what's noise and what requires attention, don't yeah. all bugs require attention? They do. They do, Aaron. They they most certainly <laughs> do. Um, but more in more in terms of like what requires immediate attention, mm -hmm. because to to me, um, let's see, I I would kind of like think of two specific things that would make something rise to the level of requiring immediate attention. Number one is this a user facing error, like. For sure, if that's happening, like if somebody's clicking and it's not doing what they expect it to do, or even worse, they're seeing some sort of ugly error message on the screen or in the console, like to me, that would require more attention than like some warning on the back end that's saying, oh, this, this might not be doing what you would expect it's doing. Um, the other thing is, even if it's not user-facing, if something isn't getting written to the database or is just behaving incorrectly, well, that that would certainly require attention too. And that's a little harder to to sort out when you have those 500 error messages in front of you but it does it does give you know warning notice info um mm -hmm. exception so that, that's kind of a way I, I sort of triage it too is by starting at the most severe and working your way down from there i think one of the things is if you're taking over a legacy project you may not know what's most important about that project's success either sure so yeah. One of the things I've done is you take your list and you have a general idea that like fatal errors are things I want to fix. Yeah. But then you have all these different warnings and things like that. Um, I look at that and, and then I'll kind of get an idea of what that might be affecting and then talk to the stakeholder and say, here are some things that may be going wrong. Which one of these are most important? So I know which ones to kind of tackle first. Sure. Yeah. That's important context to have. I, th I think that that can be difficult because, you know, the stakeholder can be like, well, everything's working fine. Uh, and, and then that can kind of lead you to a conversation while it appears it's working fine. But right. this, is, this is why we have maintenance. Yeah. You know, your your car kind of appears to be working fine until the engine seizes up, right? You know, if you're not changing your oil, you really, uh, if you're not a mechanic, you, you, you don't know things are going wrong until that last minute when everything kind of went, goes wrong. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so you kind of mentioned you get your bug reporting in there. You do a, a form of triage. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned there's different levels. Uh, do you get to that point where you try to fix all of the errors like it, or, or do you get to a point where you look at certain errors and you just say, I'm going to mute those? Mm, 
I feel like this question is a trap <laughs> because I definitely <laughs> have muted them, but I know it's not good. Um, and and, and I, one of the things I like about bug snake is you can you can mute for a period of time because the, it can just be honestly just noise and annoying to see a bunch of warning and notices come in that you know you're not going to do anything about for you know in, in at least in the next two weeks. But generally speaking, I'd prefer not to have to do that. And and maybe one comment specifically about triaging. It's not just like, okay, have bug snag open in one window and just start hammering out code in the other window. Like a lot of times we will open a ticket um, specifically saying, you know, fix this error or a grouping of these errors, because sometimes you fix one and like four go away. Like it was one root cause leading to all of them. So, you know, we won't necessarily open if, if, if in the case of 300 different errors, we won't open 300 issues, but we might have an, uh, an issue that we're going to tackle that says, you know, fix these five unhandled exceptions or fix the top 10 most common occurring warnings or things like that. Just just so it's tracked and it's a little less flying by the seat of your pants trying to put a fire out, because in reality, those errors have been there for years. <laughs> like if we're inheriting the code base, like it's it's not it's not something you have to drop everything to do. It fits still fits into like our normal scheduled work routine. Yeah, I don't know what kind of fantasy land you work in where you fix one error and four go away. My experience with, with legacy code has been I well, fix the one error and then I fit, push that out to production and then turns out I get three more errors further down the script. I'm like, oh, oh I, how would I have known that? Well, so I, I, I don't trust you. Now. No, it does happen, Aaron. It definitely happens. <laughs> but but you're right. And, and that's actually bad when the when we fix something that we saw in bugs and like we know it's a bug. But the client doesn't think anything's wrong. And then yet when we fix it, like now they see something not working, that's horrible. Like try to avoid mm-hmm. that. But but it is also a good reason why you want to communicate why you're doing this and when you're doing this with the client. So it, it's not just blindsiding them like, oh, you're just in there messing around and you broke something. It's like, no, we're, we're doing this important work. And it is possible we might break something because this thing is so uh, mangled and <laughs> uncontrolled right now. Sometimes when you get it into shape, you you do actually cause some issues along the way, but but we do try to minimize that. So I'm just following through the steps of this legacy app. You you put in bug reporting like bug snake, mm-hmm. you tri- triage issues, you start fixing some of them, um, you mute some of them until you have a chance to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Are you ever getting to a point where you've just knocked out all the errors and there's no more errors in bug snake? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, so, that's, so that's the goal. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a reasonable place to be because if if you if you sort of accept the fact that there's always going to be errors, then at a certain point you stop noticing anything. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying like you can get from 300 to zero in, in the first two weeks of work. It, it may be kind of a long-term goal. Um, you have to fit it in with the priorities, but yeah, like to me, a greenfield project, that's the approach we take, right? If any error is reported, we're going to go look at it. We're going to fix it. Even if it is a notice or a, a, just a warning that's not actually causing a problem. So I think, yeah, a legacy project, you want to get it to the same state. Cool. Yeah, I, I look at, I agree with that because I think bugs um, and errors erode trust. Mm-hmm. And really as programmers, that's that's one of our, our number one commodities actually is the trust yeah. in the application that we built. Not only that our client trusts that we're building stuff, but then the user of the software can trust that the software is going to work properly as well. Well, and actually, I just, just kind of a little bit of a tangent, but related to trust and bug tracking. The nice thing about a tool like Bugsnag is it not only tells you an error happened, but if if the user was logged in, it captures like, you know, what's their user ID, what's their email address, and you know, some basic things like that. And so I've had circumstances where you're kind of new to a legacy project and 
you see those errors come in and, and you see it's the client or, you know, one of their kind of main users of the system. And you can reach out to them. Hey, I, ju- I just saw you got this error. Um, could you give me a little detail about like what happened? Did you see an error on the screen or, you know, and it's, it's like a magic power. They're like, what? How, how did you know? Like, um, <laughs> I, I get that error, error every Tuesday when I do this, but I just kind of like I, I have a way of working around it. And so it actually really builds trust having yeah. some visibility and and reaching out to the person and, and and asking them for more information or even saying, hey, I saw you got this error. Just so you know, I fixed that now. You shouldn't run into that again. Cool. I think the last thing I kind of wanted to mention about using something like bug snake, and this is kind of a last resort. Um, mm-hmm. If things, you know, uh, if, if you don't want to mute things or you have specific errors that you know aren't supposed to be errors yeah. is they, they give you the ability to kind of intercept that before it goes to bug snake. Yeah. So no. one of one of the issues I've I've noticed, especially when I'm like trade like upgrading certain libraries, certain libraries, third parties will throw an exception uh, that's not caught and it's actually perfectly fine. I I don't <laughs> want that as a uh, as a bug. You know, yep. uh, this job has failed and that's perfectly fine. If the job has failed, please don't report it each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you can write things in you know in your your bootstrapping code into the bug snake handler to say if it's this particular type yeah. of exception. Or you know, remove this information for like you know security, or add additional context and information mm-hmm. as well. So I mean, that's another thing too. You talked about tracking the user. We might also, if it's a if it's a new to us legacy app, we, we might have stuff, maybe more stuff in the session that we want to track, and we just kind of put it into the error reporting as as they happen. Because yep. you know, I I would like to know what you know. I can't think of a particular example, but like oh, what group membership they had or what, what were some of the, th- what step along the progress where they, you know, if the URL doesn't properly say it or, you know, things yeah. like that, you can also add that in. Yeah. I, it, it, the, the one example I thought of that we, we, we did this recently, it was like a PDF rendering library that I think hadn't mm-hmm. been updated since PHP five days. And so it was throwing a bunch of warnings or, or I can't remember if they were warnings or notices, but it was like, we're never going to fix this. We're eventually right. just going to replace this library. Um, and so we could have muted it, but I think they were all different enough because of the dynamic yeah. nature of the PDF generation that muting it on the bug snake side didn't work, but intercepting it on the on the client side or on the server side did the trick. I think that's a great tip. You notice how we're sort of like conditioned that certain things in context are weird, but then in a different context, they're perfectly fine or, you know, things like that. Uh, I'm going to need an uh, example, Aaron. Okay. So my example is <laughs> like, uh, you see a guy walking through your neighborhood with a crowbar. <laughs> okay. Well, like, okay. I, I think that's kind of weird. Like that's a mm-hmm. person that, you know, might want to break into something, yeah. but you see the same guy walking through your neighborhood with hands full of crowbars, like three in each side. You're a lot less like, oh, well, that's just, that's just, that's just odd. So a person with one crowbar, like an attacker with six, oh, does not compute. I just don't get that. Does the threat diminish because there's no possible way they could wield all six at once? Like, like you're like, <laughs> no. this guy's less of a threat. No, I just think it like, like imagine you have a, just a, a plain clothes person going through the yards and mm-hmm. looking at people's windows or something. You're like, oh, they're, they're a prowler. Yeah. put on a high vis vest and they must and then they're like oh then they must be there they work like, for the just, utility company yeah but it doesn't yeah. say that there's no utility mm-hmm. trucks around it's right. just like so like if i wanted to break into someone's house i would just definitely put on a high vis vests and stuff and carry around six crowbars 
You know, the other magic uh, thing you can hold that makes you look official is a clipboard, right? Clipboard, like, yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who liked exploring like buildings in the city mm-hmm. and he would, he could get so far into a building with just a clipboard. And yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. No, no harm was done, but he like, he wanted to be at the top floor to look out of the window or something, but yeah, high vis vest and a clipboard. I don't know about the crowbars though, Aaron. I don't, I think a guy walking with six crowbars <laughs> would still get like a second look. Yeah. I I had to participate in a security um, uh, attempt one time at a place I was working. And one of the things I did to get into the back door where there were smokers is I walked up with three cases of water. Um, I could okay. barely hold them. And I'm like yeah. stumbling through the door. I'm like, hey, guys, can you get the door? And they're like, yep. And, you know, it was all security uh, bad stuff. But I just had three cases of water. And they're like, oh, well, no one would try to break into here with three cases of water. <laughs> Guess what? A thirsty person would. That's right. That's right. They would. They're going to be sweating. (laughs) What if you wanted to learn from us, but you just didn't want to hear our voice anymore? Well, then you can hear it in your own voice when you're reading one of our books, which you can get at MasteringLaravel.io. 